Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, Lord, may they be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So for a lot of people, for a lot of us, Lent um, is basically just a season of resolutions. It's kind of like a new new year, um, giving up chocolate and sweets and coffee and things. And, and Or some are going to you know, give up or go into praying more and going to church every Sunday, at least for the first week. And um, beyond that, though, many of us have little understanding of what Lent is really all about. And so today I really want to help us to understand and engage the season of Lent more appropriately. Um, and to do that, I want to give you a little bit of a reference point. My father is has a deep love of gardening. And for him, the winter is a very tough time. And he grew up outside of Grand Ledge, over by Wacousta, and he grew up on a farm. Uh, though he didn't grow up on, like, the thousands of acres farm, um, his summers were not tending to thousands of acres. He did pick up this passion for working the soil. And as a kid, I remember waking up in the winter mornings and finding my pops in the living room of our house in his bathrobe with his cup of coffee in one hand, eh, cup of coffee in one hand and the watering can in the other, going through the living room, um, watering all of these potted plants and um, all of the seedlings that he had started in the bay window, and then all of these giant potted plants that he'd pulled in off the deck from for the winter, you know, and pulled into the sunroom and and refilling the and then getting up on the ladder on the because there was a ledge that had plants and vines and things and and just a lot of plants. Cup of coffee in one hand, watering can in the other, and oftentimes I had to come around behind him with a towel. But he had this mournful look as he looked out the bay window at the snow-covered valley. And when the ground finally thawed in the spring, and he was he just get giddy, you know. Pops would just get this giddy, excited. My brothers and I were less than thrilled, however, because we knew that the spring thaw meant yard work, and, and I mean a lot of yard work, um, because the frozen winter and the fruitful spring, there were, there were weeks and weeks of, of hard work to be done. Dead plants and debris had to be cleared. Um, the soil had to be turned over. The beds in the gardens had to be fertilized. And, and everything had to be prepared so that the, garden, the gardens that my father had, had been dreaming about all winter long could become a reality. So, so Lent, like the thaw between winter and spring, is a time of preparation. It's a season when we are invited to prepare the soil of our lives for growth. So Lent is like that thaw between the seasons. Although some people no longer really acknowledge Lent, it's one of the most ancient Christian practices. Um, the early church observed Lent even before Christmas was a holiday. And, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with what I'm even talking about, it's the 40-day period before Easter um, where we take an inventory of our lives, commune more intimately with God, and, and clear out those things that may distract us from our commitments that we've made to God. And in a sense, it's a season of spiritual preparation, of spiritual growth. 
And so today, to help us better understand what, what this looks like, we're going to take a, we're going to look at a story of a man who was not clearing a garden for growth, but clearing a kingdom. Um, Asa was uh, the king of Judah at, a, at the time when much of the nation had abandoned God. You know, there were, there were much, many more bad kings than there were good kings in Judah in its history. And in 2 Chronicles 15, we, we find a story of how Asa and his entire kingdom sought God and made room in their lives for growth. And so the story begins with this, um, with this prophet named Azariah, who comes to the king Asa with, with this message. And, here, and here's what the message says. Um, and I'm just going to start in verse 1, and it says this, Then the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Odad, and he went out to meet with King Asa, and, and when he returned from the battle, he said, Listen to me, he shouted, Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. The Lord's going to stay with you how long? As long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For a long time, Israel was out without the true God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. But whenever they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him out, they found him. So over and over again, Ezra's message is the same. He says, he says seek out God, pursue God, and you're going to find him. So his message is, is not this casual recommendation that you're going to find him. It's not this casual thing to the king. He's, he's actually kind of like pleading, please, please, listen to me. Listen to me, everybody. All of you people, all y'all. And, and Nazareth's not saying, he's not saying that, you know, just wander around through your everyday life hoping that maybe you're going to bump into God sometime. He's saying be intentional about it. He's saying intentionally pursue God. Intentionally pursue God. In the New Testament, people who were, who were followers of Christ, those who, they were people who sought him out. And they were called disciples. The word disciple, so you, just so you know, um, has the same root word in biblical Greek as the word discipline. One of our favorite words, right? Everyone loves discipline. Um, but here's the thing about discipline. It is always intentional, isn't it? A discipline is always intentional. It's never accidental. We don't learn a discipline by accident. We don't learn mathematical statistics by accident. I never did. Not by accident. We don't learn the discipline of music by accident, or medicine by accident, or roller skating, Mindy. Where is she? Oh, she's upstairs. You can tell her I said that. By accident. I actually wrote that in, in parentheses, Mindy. You can tell her I put it in, just for her. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, ask Mindy what that's about. She will kick me later. 
there must always be an intention on our part. The same is true when we follow Christ in our lives. There must be an intention, a decision, a focus of our will to seek Christ. And for many of us, we, we, we forget this, that we, we can become passive and, and or lazy about the active pursuing of God. You see, Lent is a time for all of us, those of us who have known Christ for many years and for those who have yet to encounter him, to clarify and reaffirm our intentions. So do we desire to seek God? Will we, with, with purpose, diligence, and discipline, seek him intentionally? Or, or will we just kind of like float, float along down the river, just kind of stumbling along, hoping God pops his head out of the hole and see his shadow and, oh, yay, six more weeks of winter? Or, or are we going to intentionally seek? In the winter, while my father watered his plants in the living room, he was always thinking about the spring. He was planning his garden in his mind, and on paper. He worked through magazines to pick out the new seeds that he wanted to plant. Decided where they would, be, where they would go in the garden, where they would thrive best, what they would be planted next to, where the sun would be best. His garden was always a product of intention. And in the same way, we do not grow spiritually by accident. We do not stumble upon rich communion with God accidentally. Azariah's message to Asa is a challenge because we're called to be intentional. We are to seek with discipline and focus. He calls us to seek the Lord. But wait, there's more. Azariah says, if you seek him, what's going to happen? He will be found by you. He doesn't say you're going to find him. That's the kicker here. That's what's fascinating. He doesn't say, if you seek him, you will find him. Azariah says, if you seek him, you will be found by him. Did you catch that part? He doesn't say that if you seek God, you will find God. He says, if you seek God, God will find you. That's a completely different statement, isn't it? Completely different concept. It's actually better translated, the Hebrew is actually better translated this way. If you seek the Lord, he will let you find him. And it's subtle, but it's, it's actually an essential difference. I, Azariah is saying that God wants to be found in this passage. The essence of this is that God wants to be found by us. That's the point of it. He wants to be taken a hold of, to be captured by us. The prophet is telling us we are seeking a God who wants to be discovered. My daughter, Melody, is four years old, and she loves to play hide-and-seek. But she's not very good at it. It's not that she doesn't know how to play. She knows the rules. She, she gets it. Um, but she always hides 
wherever her older brother hid last time, right? And so when she's seeking, she finds her brother, and then it's his turn to go hide, and she just ducks in wherever he was. And so when her brother comes, he immediately looks where he hid at last, and it's all of five seconds, and he goes, found you! And Melody goes, And she's so happy. She loves it when her older brother pops in and says, found you. She laughs and smiles, and so do I. God wants us to seek him. But like Melody, God understands that the real joy is not in the seeking, but in the finding. He wants to be found he, is, he doesn't intend the Christian life to be an impossible hunt for an elusive God that requires an enormous faith. That's not the intent. The intent is not for us to search and search without finding. Have you ever searched for a kid who hides too well and you just give up and go sit on the couch and watch some TV? Not intentionally tell your kid to go hide and then go sit and watch TV for an hour not that parenting trick. I mean like you're actually playing with your kid or your grandkid and you want to find them because you love them. The Christian life is a simple walk to a welcoming God that requires only a childlike faith. Our God wants to be found. And the story that best illustrates that, that God wants to be found, is that parable that Jesus tells in Luke 15, in and, and the story where that son rejects and abandons his father to live a selfish life and, and wild living in a distant country. And when he sees how foolish he's, he's been, he decides he's going to go home to his dad. And expecting his father to be furious, the son, is, but the son comes home but is met with a surprise when his father sees him in the distance and doesn't wait to reach him but instead runs towards him, embraces him, kisses him, and is thrilled to have his son home again. This is the image that Jesus presents us with of our Heavenly Father and his love. It's the image of a God who wants to be found. The God, James says, will draw near to us if we draw near to him. He is a God who stands at the door and knocks and is prepared to come in and eat with anyone who is willing to open the door. We are called to seek the God who wants to be found. This should be our goal during Lent, to intentionally pursue our God who is passionately seeking us. And how do we do that? How exactly, what exactly does it mean to pursue God? And well, to begin our own pursuit, we must declutter and restore our spiritual lives. And this is what Asa begins to do when he hears Azariah's message. He begins to declutter and restore. In verse 8 we read, When Asa heard this message from Azariah the prophet, he took courage and removed all the detestable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and in the towns he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which stood in front of the entry room of the Lord's temple. Asa interpreted 
the command to seek the Lord in two ways. First, he understood that he had to remove the obstacles that were preventing him from finding God. There were things blocking his ability to find God. So he eliminated the idols from the land. All the other gods, the shrines and temples that were competing with God for people's attention. You could say that Asa was cleaning out his kingdom to make space for God. This was, this was a way of preparing the garden, honestly. It was a way of preparing his garden, removing the dead plants, the weeds, the debris, making room for new growth. Seeking God means making room in our lives for him. Cleaning out the garden. It reminds me of a story. A man once went to a sage and asked him to teach him everything he knows. He invited him to come inside. Sat down at a little coffee table, got his little teapot out, put his cup down. He says, teach me everything you know. And he said, let's have tea first. So he steeps the tea, and they sit in silence, and the tea's done. He starts pouring his cup, pours it, pours it, pours it, pours it, pours it, pours it, starts overflowing onto the table. And he says, the guy says, Sage, Sage, stop pouring. The cup is full. He says, exactly. Your cup is full. I can't teach you if you're already full. If our lives are already filled with other things, We don't leave room for God. Sometimes we have to remove things, barriers, obstacles, because something's in the place where God is supposed to reside already. Cleaning out the garden, removing the idols and the false gods of the kingdom is what Asa does. In a real sense, our lives are like a kingdom. We we each have a kingdom, a sphere of authority, Uh, a realm that we control as the ruler. That's kind of like our life. The borders of this kingdom vary for each of us, but generally we all have this domain of of our own existence, This our time, our bodies, our relationships, our homes, our money, our things. And like like Asa's kingdom, sometimes our kingdoms need a thorough cleaning, a decluttering, a spring cleaning, as it were. They become infested with useless and even detestable things, idols and, and, and false gods, something that occupies God's proper place. And to seek God in this time of Lent often means that we need to make space for God. We need to prepare our lives, our kingdoms, for his presence to dwell within us. Patrick Morley once said, the turning point in our lives is when we stop seeking the gods we want and start seeking the God who is. The season of Lent is about walking through the hills and the valleys of our kingdom and tearing down the idols that we find there. It means acknowledging through confession those things in our lives that have, been, have taken the place of God for us. 
Maybe it's a schedule so full that there's no time for prayer, or a heart preoccupied with material things, or a self-serving career that has stopped, uh, stopped us from the ability to serve other people. And Lent is that time to clean out that debris. But there's a second thing that Asa did, second thing that he did that helped him seek God, and he didn't just remove the idols um, from the country, he also repaired the altar. The temple, of course, was where God was worshipped in ancient Israel, right? The temple was that spot. Um, It's where people went to encounter and commune with God. But by rebuilding the altar, Asa was putting back into place a significant means of connecting with God. You see, seeking God is not just about removing things from the kingdom. It's not just about removing things from our life. It's not about resolutions. It's not about clearing, cleaning house. It's about putting back things, restoring things that connect us with God. With the one we are seeking. There needs to be removal, yes, but there also needs to be building. We need to subtract subtract the negative things, yes, but we need to add the positive things. We need to clear out the debris, but we also need to plant the new plants, the seedlings, the seeds. Both are essential to growth. Vehicles that help us commune with God and experience His presence, we we call those spiritual disciplines, and we've talked about those before. Some help us to seek God, things like prayer and and solitude and meditating on the Scriptures and fasting and serving other people and giving and hospitality and worship. Um, Preparing that garden in the springtime involves work. Disciplines that prepare the soil to accept the seeds, the sun, the rain, and eventually generate growth. And that's Lent. And Asa used a discipline as he and his kingdom sought God. There's one specific discipline that he used. And we see it in verses 9 through 15. And that discipline, my friends, you're going to be excited. Are you excited? Here it comes. Dramatic pause. For effect, I don't feel the anticipation. There it is, gathering together. They assembled. In verse 9, we see that all the people of Judah gathered. The people from other countries joined them. Not just Israel, but other countries came and joined them because they heard what was, what was going on. They all gathered in Jerusalem to express their intention to seek God. Why is it vital that they gather together for this? Well, couldn't they have just experienced God on their own, by themselves at home, in solitude? Privately? Individually? I mean, that's what our culture tells us we should do. We don't need to go to church anymore. You can just do that at home. Stream it online. There's no reason to go to church with people. See, but something powerful happens when we gather together. And we see that we are part of something beyond ourselves. We are connected to others on this journey of seeking God. We are, we are less likely to give up, less likely to turn around because others beside us are striving toward the same goal that we are. God has intended us to be in community with others, together seeking Him. Rather than merely making private personal resolutions during Lent, we can gather and resolve to seek God together and find, through the strength of community, 
the ability to actually achieve it, to actually accomplish it. And the people of Judah did three things at their assembly. First, the people honored the holiness of God. It says that they offered sacrifices to him, which, which was an act of humility and submission. Next, we're told that the people made a commitment and a promise to seek God. And as we've already seen, this, this removes the obstacles as they move forward with God. Then we see that the people made an oath to God. And there was a loud acclamation. There was shouting. And, my friends, there was music. That's a good thing. We love music. And then when it was all said and done, we discovered the result of the people's pursuit of God. And this is it from verse 15. All of Judah were happy about this covenant. For they had entered into it with all their heart. They earnestly sought after God. And they found him. And the Lord gave them rest from their enemies on every side. Azariah's words were proven true. Asa and all of Judah sought the Lord, and he let them find him, and they rejoiced. And this is what Lent is all about. It's about finding God again and being found by him. But Asa's uh, diligence in seeking the Lord did not end after assembling with the people. In fact, it appears to have become even more energized the season served as a springboard to further cleanse the kingdom. Looking further into the story, after removing the idols and building the altar, and after assembling with the people, and after finding God, Asa then disposed of his um, grandmother from her position as the queen, um, disposed her, yeah, and, and he came to see that she too was an obstacle preventing him from Judah, uh, and Judah from pursuing God. Um, he cut down her Asherah pole, which was a form of, of idol worship, and he also continued to rebuild the temple with gold and silver. Asa's pursuit of God by pursued God by cleansing the kingdom and building altars continued and intensified, and he found the courage to do things he may have lacked earlier. It seems he found the courage to remove his own grandmother from power, but only after the assembly, after seeking and finding God. And what I hope you see is that seeking God is not a linear pursuit. It's, it's spiral. It's a, a, um, cylindrical. It's a spiraling process. We spirally seek God. Seeking God means removing obstacles, building altars, and finding him, which in turn gives us new courage to remove more barriers, build more altars, and discover God even more in, in more profound ways. And some have described Christian formation as a winding staircase. It repeats and cycles over and over and over again, and with each cycle we experience new heights of God's grace as we rise with each turn. It's kind of like this. If I asked you what the meaning, meaning of that story that Jesus gave in Luke 15, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan or the wayward son, and you said the, the point of the story is that um, fathers love their sons, or don't be mean to your dad. Or what a first grader might say. And I would say something like, well, you have the theology of a first grader. I would say you have a linear vision of faith formation. 
Because every time you read that story, you should be growing spirally in your faith. And every time you take it, you should take a new step of understanding and growth in it. Because every time you read it, you should be growing in it because our faith is a spiraling process to grow deeper and deeper in it. We need to remember that during Lent, we need to see that the cycle of seeking and finding continues even beyond these 40 days of Lent. It is an ongoing rhythm of the Christian life, and it should be evidented in this season. In the spring, we prepare the garden. We clear the debris. We fertilize the soil. We plant the seeds. But there is still work to be done the rest of the year. Our effort does not end when the summer begins. Weeds still need to be pulled. Bushes pruned. Fruit gathered. Yet the spring is set aside especially for preparation. And our diligence at that time can determine how the rest of the year will go. Have you ever had a bad... Those of you who are gardeners, have you ever had a bad spring? Have you ever failed to get your garden planted on time? Did it affect the rest of the year and impact your garden? So today, to help you on your journey this week, as I said, we provided for you a scripture guide, 50-day reading plan, and I encourage you to pick one up today to take with you. It'll take you 10 minutes a day to read it. Pick up a journal, a notebook, a pad of paper to write notes and prayers about what you read as you go through the season of Lent. Pursue Him who loves you enough to meet you where you are right now but loves you too much to leave you the way that he finds you. Let me ask you, what is keeping you from seeking God today? God wants to be found by you. Are you looking for him? Gracious God, we hear you in this time of reflection and preparation. As we begin this journey of Lent, help us to open our eyes to all that distracts us from you. Give us the strength to join together in community, to assemble and gain strength from each other in the days ahead, that we may break down every idol that we have placed before you. As we restore our lives in you, fill us with new hope in your Son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.